Uh, today, uh, before we start, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 today. Um, but uh, before that, I'm, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll get there. But, but uh, I just want to let you guys know that this church is amazing. Right? Like the things, you know, like Eric, Eric Brigham, right? Like, like us taking, taking an offering for, the, for him and his family. Um, you know, in, in the middle of that, I was on the phone with him last night, and he was being generous. And uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, publicly say what it was, but but he was being generous, and he was he was making sure that 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 we had some things we needed. And I was like, man, hold up, Eric, how are you? <laughs> right? How are you doing? And uh, and I wanted to know how he was doing, but but he was he was being generous because it's just the type of people we have in this church. Um, this church uh, has supported Kara and I. I I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, the way that we're treated here, the way we've been treated here, even the way Kara was treated as she's transitioning out of children's ministry has, has been incredible. I, I, I mean, the outpouring of love and support for, for her decision, you know, to, to, to step out of something that she's been doing for upwards, you know, here almost five years, but upwards of a decade. And, uh, you know, and, and for me, that's kind of a, it's a, uh, a tender thing at times for me too, because I've, I've been intertwined in that. And then we've done some incredible things together in children's ministry. And um, so it's an adjustment for me too. And, and, and it means the world to me that everybody here has supported Kara the way, she had, the way you guys have. And, and I want to express my thanks and my gratitude for, for you and for who you are. So thank you. <laughs> but Kara and I, we are excited for what's ahead at Heritage Church. We're both we're both both adjusting to this new season, but we're adjusting to this new season in joy. We're adjusting to this new season and in great anticipation for what's going to happen here at Heritage. Heritage Church is a light in our community. We're a light on a hill. We're a light in the community, right? We are, and we will continue to be a place where people come and they experience the presence and power of a real and living God, a God who's not far off, a God who's close, a God who is intimate, a God who loves us. Heritage Church will continue to impact our community for Jesus Christ, and we will continue to change people from all walks of life. We, well, I say we will, but we're the vessel. We're the vessel which God, God use, that's God using. Not only will we change our community, we are set ones who impact the world. Our pastor is in Oklahoma today. We have a team in Lincoln City today. Since I've been here, these are the places I can remember. We sent people to Japan, the Philippines, Ghana, Cuba, Argentina, Rwanda, Kenya, England, Lincoln City, another church here in Vancouver, Chicago, and Texas. And I probably missed some. But that's just off the top of my head. Those are things that I can remember as I'm writing this down. I mean, these are things, places I can remember sending people. Not me, us. Right? I, I tell people to go, they'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, right, on my way. Unless I told them to go home. <laughs> they, might, they might say... But I want to talk about, I want to go back, I want to talk about my call, my call to ministry, right? And there's a pretty reason for it, and we'll get into it, but my call to ministry. And when I was first saved, I was first saved, man, 10 years ago next month, I was saved, right? Almost a decade, yeah, no, that's, praise, praise the Lord for what he's done in my life. I, I am, I am in awe sometimes, sometimes it catches me off guard when, when people, when I hear things like, you know, uh. I'm going to kid, you know, last summer I went to kids camp and I got a message saying, I'm glad my son's going to kids camp with you so you can influence him. And that stuff catches me off guard because that's not who I was. 
But when I was saved, I, I, you know, we hear it all the time. Or, or, or the saying is like, when the doors were open to the church, I was there. And I was. And I didn't know why. I just wanted to be there. I was always looking for stuff to do. Let me tell you, I wanted to take the trash out. I wanted to, to there was a, a library in the church I was at, and I just pulled all the books off the shelf and reorganized them for them because I just wanted to be at the church. And I didn't realize what it was. I wanted to go to meetings. I, I, the first time I heard about a business meeting, I was excited. <laughs> I, was, I was like, sweet, another meeting at church. And Kara's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you want to go to a I'm like, yes, I do. I want to be there. It was a Sunday night, and I want to be there. She's like, okay. And I went there, and I was like, well, that wasn't what I thought it would be. <laughs> But I just wanted to be there. Oh, I just wanted to be there. But, but I, I, I wanted to be in front of people. I wanted to teach. And I had no idea why. I know now. <laughs> right? I, I had a, a pastor sit me down. We were at Red Robin in, uh, in Sherwood, Sherwood, Oregon. He, said, he looked at me. He's like, you want to know why? He's like, you called a ministry, man. And it was like, click. Okay, yeah, you're right. I wanted, but I wanted to be in front of people speaking the truth of God into their lives. I wanted to communicate what had happened to me, and I wanted to see it happen to other people. I felt this urge to help people and teach them about Jesus. I still have people in my life, they're like, man, what happened to you? I'm like, I told you, Jesus. I'm like, yeah, but what else? That's it. That's it. That's all that happened to me. And I'm fortunate that in my call and very early in my walk with Christ, I'm fortunate there were people in my life who steered me in the direction that I went. Or may I may have tried to do things how I saw them being done. Or I could have done things the way I thought would work best. And that could, could be disastrously. My brain works weird sometimes, and I come up with great ideas. They don't always work. All right? And, uh, and I'm going to tell a story. Some of you guys may, have, may know, but one of, one of my, I'm not afraid of anything except I'm afraid of one thing, bees terrified i can't explain it but like the closest i can get to come, come to explaining it is that i grew up in southern california and in, in elementary school we used to you know they rolled the tvs out on these big carts and they would like show us videos of like people getting attacked by killer bees and say hey they're coming and you don't know you don't know if they're killer bees or not until they sting you and then you get swarmed and you die and i think that messed my brain up <laughs> Right? I'm like, I know that their intentions are right, but I think it messed my brain up. But I am, I am terrified of bees. I, man, I am. I, Kara will last, but I will throw Kara in front of me and run. I'm not, that is, that is not, that is not an exaggeration. I will push her toward the bees and run. I don't know what happens. It, my brain's messed up, right? Like, Lord, heal me from that. But, uh, I don't know. It's just a sheer terror. I'm not afraid of anything else. Bees. But uh, we had this house, and, man, I say, I got to mow my lawn the other day. It was great. I love mowing lawn. I don't know if any of you guys do. I love it. I love giving my house a haircut. It's great. But, uh, but we had this house, and uh, we lived in Salem, and we were renting a house, and there was um, we'd, mow, we'd mow, mow, I'd mow the yard, and there was, like, a little side patch of yard, and there was, you know, the gas meter that went inside the house, and there was a hole right next to it where they had moved the gas meter, and uh, I started noticing bumblebees flying in and out of there in the side of the house. So I was like, well, I'm going to take care of that. And uh, so I, I, I called my landlord, and I was like, hey, what do you think of this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some wasp killer, and I'm going to stick it in that hole. I'm going to unload the whole can, and then I'm going to seal it up, right, with some foam. Right, I'm going to trap them in there. They're going to be in there with poison and die. He's like, great idea. <laughs> great idea. So I did it. <laughs> 
And, uh, and I thought I was good until uh, Kara and I, we came home, I think a day later, and I heard buzzing in the house. And, uh, and, and on, the, on the other side of where, that, where the gas came in, the water heater was there, and then the, the laundry room was in, inside. And they had found a way in the house, and they were flying into the kitchen. There was like 15 bumblebees in my kitchen. And the queen was in there. And I, man, I'm serious. I think it was, it was like there was these curtains on the window. And it looked like it was like pulling the curtain looking at me. And I was like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but Kara's like, take care of it. Okay. So I, I, and she laughed. She's like, man, I wish I had some, some, a video. Cause I just got a flip flop and I'm like, you know, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Oh man. But you know, I, Afterward, I did some research on how bumblebees work. That's yeah, not the way to kill them. You got to, you got to, but, but I could have learned beforehand what I was doing, right? It wouldn't work if I would have done some research first. And I've could have, I could have learned from people. I could have just called somebody and be like, hey, how do you get rid of bumblebees? But I thought I had a good idea. It's important to follow and learn from leaders that God's placed in our lives. All right, and then 1 Kings 19 gives us an idea of what it's like to answer God's call and to learn from someone. Right? This is called Elisha the prophet. Now, Elisha was called, and he knew this call was from God. Now, it's Elisha and Elijah. I wish it was more like Moses and Aaron, so I didn't get the names mixed up, mixed up so much. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm telling you that so that if I, if I say Elijah on accident or Elisha on accident, just bear with me, <laughs> please, because I'll do, I'll do my best. Elijah is the older one. Elisha is the younger one. So we'll just start there. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah, the older one, went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up and threw his cloak around him. Elisha, the younger one, then left his, his oxen and ran after Elijah, the older one. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah, Elisha, see, I messed up already. Elisha, and I'm reading it. All right, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned with the plowing equipment to, to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he sent out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Now, Elisha was called. He was called let me give you some background here. We all know Elijah, right? The older guy. After the death of Solomon, Solomon, the nation of Israel was split in two. We had, we had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. The people in the south were plagued by idolatry, which is the worship of false gods, and in that time, usually in, in the form of statues. They would erect statues to these false gods. The people in the north were subjected, for the most part, to rulers who set up false systems of worship. We call this apostasy. One of the popular systems of worship was to a god named Baal. Baal was worshipped as a, quote, thunder god, and the phenomena associated with thunderstorms was closely linked to him. The worship of Baal was widespread in Israel at the time and was condoned by the monarchy. Elijah, being a prophet of God, called this system out and a showdown ensued on Mount Carmel. Now they set up, remember, they set up two altars, and the prophets of Baal went first. They stacked up bricks, sacrificed a bull, and danced around all day trying to get, to get Baal, the thunder god, to burn up the sacrifice. Isn't it interesting that God uses, uses these, these showdowns to, 
I don't, I don't know if he's like belittling their gods, <laughs> lowercase g, but it happens a lot, right? He's using fire to show up the quote-unquote thunder god. So they, they dance around all day. We all know nothing happens. Elijah even taunts him a little bit. But he, then Elijah goes. He set up the sacrifice. Then just for good measure, throw some water all over it. Called on God to accept the sacrifice. And God immediately sent down fire and burned everything, including the water and the altar. Elijah then kills the prophets of Baal, <laughs> 400 something of them, which caused the king to be a little upset. And Elijah had to run. Monarchy's mad at you, I'm out. <laughs> Throughout all this, Elijah thought he was alone in worshiping the true God. And he finds out there are 7,000 people who are still worshiping God, still worshiping Yahweh. So he thinks he's alone, but there's 7,000 people worshiping. He's then told to find Elisha, who would be his successor. And he got all that? It was a lot. He got all that? All right. <laughs> I remember a few years ago teaching this story in kids' church. We taught the kids that the popular thing is not necessarily the right thing. And that sometimes we have to stand alone in order to follow God. Even when we think we're alone. Elijah thought he was alone, but he wasn't. So even when we're think, we think we're alone, look around, you're not. So Elijah, he's told to find the person who's to take his place, and this is Elisha. So Elijah, back to verse 19, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but there we go. He was plowing the 12 yoke of oxen. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Notice that Elijah found Elisha while he was working. This cover is pretty cool. I do like it. Thanks, Laura. I'm glad you approve. But Elisha, he wasn't training for a, for, for a life of service to God when he was called. He was just called. Now, when I was in Bible college, the students who were there with me were called to ministry before they attended school. Nobody was like, I'm going to go to school. And then like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm called, to, called to ministry as I'm at school. I didn't know specifically what type of ministry. I just knew I was going to be in ministry. So I went to prepare myself. But I was called long before I was preparing myself. I was, called, I was called long before, man, I was called long before I even knew the Lord. My whole family, nobody in my family follows the Lord right Well, I mean, my sister and my, my brother-in-law, but, but for the most part, none of, my, none of my family follows the Lord. And my aunt asked me, she said, man, what happened? And I was like, well, Jesus. And she's like, well, how did you feel? No, you were called ministry. I was like, well, I knew pretty, pretty young. Enough. She's like, I knew it as a little kid, like when you were a little kid that you were called ministry. You had such a tender heart when you were a little kid. And she's not a follower of the Lord. And she's affirming my call to, to, call to ministry. I was called before, before I prepared myself. I was called before I went to Bible college. I didn't prepare myself and then feel called. I felt the call and then I found out how to prepare myself. And also, it's important to point out, this wasn't a convenient time for Elisha to be called. Right? Verse says he was driving the twelfth pair of oxen. Other translations say this is the twelfth, the twelfth anchor acre of land he had plowed. One pair of oxen per acre. That's twenty-four oxen, twelve pair, twelve acres. He was finishing the twelfth acre. 
I've never plowed anything in my life. But I can imagine, never mind one acre of land, but plowing 12, you know, 3,500 years ago or so. I don't think that's easy, right? And he's finishing up. He's finishing up. He's getting ready to, to, to plant and reap what he sowed. And God, God called him out of it. He was not, he, he was well off, right? He had, he had, he had plenty of food. He had, had plenty of, he had land, uh, you know, whether it was his or his parents or not, right? He was, he was a, at the very least, he was, uh, he was in line to inherit all of this. So he was he wasn't called, he wasn't you know like 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 crying out to to the Lord in 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 desperation in a desperate situation. He was well off. And the Lord called him. It was then that Elijah walked by and threw his cloak on Elisha. Now this is symbolic of Elisha's call to prophetic office. This cloak was a special robe prophets wore to identify themselves. It wasn't just some robe. He's wearing a robe that like, hey, that's a prophet right there. He takes that robe off and he throws it on Elisha. And he's like, come on. Similar to how you would identify a Catholic priest. You can identify a Catholic priest pretty easy. They wear that white collar, black shirt, black suit. They're like, yep, that's a Catholic priest. You can identify him pretty easy. Sometimes you can identify worship pastors too pretty easy. I don't know. I love you guys. I love you guys. I don't know. Skinny jeans or ripped jeans. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, what the, I don't know. But sometimes you tell, I can just, I'm like, that's a guy's a worship pastor. You can just tell. I'm in ministry. Yeah, you play an instrument, don't you? (laughs) I got affirmation. Our, Our worship pastors, he's good with it. So there we go. Now, there's no, no mention beforehand of Elisha being anointed. Elijah enlists Elisha as his assistant. He's like, hey, come work for me. Just come on. And a call to God is not a call to, a call to serve God is not a call to fame. It's a call to serve. Ministry means service. If I'm called to full-time vocational ministry, I'm called to full-time serve people for my job. My job is to serve people, to be in in service of our Lord full-time. Some of the things I've done in ministry, right? Janitorial work, right? I've I've heard it said that that your first pulpit is a janitor's cart. I've heard that more than once. I've set up and tear down things here for, for years we did it. Bunch of manual labor. I'm a big guy. People are like, hey, come carry things for me. Okay. I've eaten some pretty gross things. <laughs> Man, especially working in kids' ministry, you eat some nasty stuff. <laughs> we went to, a, we went to a, 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 a church camp out one time, and uh, the kids, they saw that I was there. Kara and I were there, and uh, they were like, hey, they were roasting a pig. You know, they had like a, it was a pig roast. So they're roasting this pig and the kids were like, oh, if we take a BGMC offering, will you eat the eyeball? I'm like, sure. <laughs> right? I, I didn't know what, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, eyeball, it's smoked, it's cooked, it's going to be small. Nope. Nope. That thing's long, man. Like, <laughs> that was gross. 25 bucks. They raised 25 bucks and I ate a kid's, a pig's eyeball. 
25 bucks in front of everybody. They called me out in front of the whole church. There was like 100 and something people there. And they had, a, you know, the, one of the pastors was out there. And he like brings this ball out. He's like, here you go, man, in front of everybody. What am I going to do, say no? Yeah, I won't do that again. It was nasty. All right. So I've given my time. I've sweat. I've bled. And I've worn myself out serving people. I've gone home so tired that all I want to do is get in bed. I've gone home so sore that I don't want to move. Right? And I can't get enough of it. I keep asking for more. Like, what else can I do? What else can I do? Because there's always more work to be done. There's always more people to serve. There's always more people who need Jesus. Now, people tend to jump, want to jump right in and do the things that look fun. Because there are things, don't get me wrong, like there are some things that are fun in ministry. I've got to do some pretty fun stuff. I've got to go to some cool places. Man, I know it's not for everybody, but I love going to kids' camp. I love it. Right? Kids love it when I go. But really, I just get to go and torture kids for like five days. <laughs> not really. I don't really torture them. But I get to, like, you know, just, you know, throw rules out and, you know, just be, be, be boys, right? Out in the middle of nowhere. But people sometimes, they want to skip the hard work and they want to start reaping the benefits. Now, many of you know, I was in the Marine Corps. Or I was in the military. And all you guys know in the military, when you go to the recruiter, you're like, man, I want to wear that uniform. I would look good in that. Yeah, it's nice. Especially the Marines. Best dressed blues. Come on. You know it. You know it. Right? But I was like, I want to wear that. I want to wear that. I want to jump right in. But then I get to boot camp. I'm like, yeah, this ain't that. <laughs> this, man, when do I get to put the blues on? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me and I will send you out and fish for people. Before you can lead, you need to know how to follow. The best leaders are the best followers. The best leaders submit to leadership better than anybody you would ever meet. And that's what they were teaching me in the Marine Corps right? you go, or, or, or military. You go, to, you go to boot camp and they're teaching you how to follow. And if you're going to be a leader, you need to know how to follow. Because you need to know what it's like. Now, Elijah called Elisha to be his assistant. What was Elisha's response? He responded immediately and decisively. In verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Some translations say Elisha immediately left to run after Elijah. The wording is that Elisha immediately abandoned what he was doing to run after Elijah. He recognized the call of God and immediately abandoned what he was doing. He didn't care where, if he was almost finished. He didn't care that he was about to, about to like harvest or plant. I mean, he'd wait for the harvest, right? But he was going to plant. All the hard work was done. He was just going to wait for things to grow. And then he was going to harvest. But Elisha knew where that call came from. That call came from God. Verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will come with you. Elisha knew what this call would cost him. It was going to cost him everything he had and everyone he knew. The call of God, call of God on his life was more important than everything and anyone. So he asks Elijah if he can go say goodbye. And Elijah tells him, go back. What have I done to you? 
This reply from Elijah indicates that he was not, not the one calling Elisha. He knew it was God calling him as well. Essentially, he's saying, do what you got to do. I didn't call you. Go say bye to your parents. Do what you got to do. God calls us to do his work and lets us choose whether or not to be obedient to the call. If we want the reward, we need to follow the one who has it. If we want the reward, we have to follow the one who leads us to it. You know, I recently started watching, uh, they're old now, but Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> I've never watched them. <laughs> but I watched some of them, and uh, you know, he's got that weird compass. <laughs> Points at what he wants the most, right? Like, what's he following? He's following this compass, right, to what he wants the most. If, if, you, want, if, you, want, if you want the treasure that's laid up in heaven for you, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus to it. Did you know that out of all of creation, it's unique for humans to be disobedient to God? <laughs> David Platt in his book, Radical, puts it, this, puts it this way. God beckons storm clouds to come and they come. He tells the wind to blow and the rain to fall and they obey immediately. He speaks to the mountains, you go there. And he says to the seas, you stop here and they do it. Everything in all creation responds to obe in obedience to the creator until we get to you and me. We have the audacity to look God in the face and say no. We're not all called to be a prophet. We're not all called to be a minister of the gospel, a board member, a teacher, an evangelist, or to work for the church at all. But we are all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ in a world which desperately needs him. We are all called to be an ever-increasing expression of Christ in our community. All of us. We have neighbors... We have friends, we have co-workers, we have family members and acquaintances who are going to hell, and we possess the way out. We bring the answer to, to steer them away from eternal torment and, 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 and torture and, and burning and, and, and separation from God. We have the answer. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as one body through Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. We all have a part to play, all of us. Some of us are the fingers. Some of us are the, are the feet. Some of us are the gallbladders. Some of us are the lungs. Some of us are the neck. Some of us are the arms. Some of us are, 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 we are all different parts of the body. And the body only works when every part is working together. We're all called to be a part of the body. Back to Elisha. Elisha got rid of his fallback. Elisha burned the plows. He had a barbecue. I wanted to name this obedience through barbecue, but <laughs> Kara said no. She's watching right now online. She's going to hear that in a minute. First Kings 19, verse 21. So Elisha left, and left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. The yoke means a pair of oxen, right? He had a pair of oxen. So he burned 24 cows. <laughs> 24 oxen, cows. 
We'll say cows because I like beef. <laughs> Elisha cooked 24 oxen with the tools needed to plow the field with them. If anybody ever has a barbecue with 24 oxen, call me. I'll help out with the eating part. I'll help out. That's a lot of meat. But Elisha, he was all in. He got rid of the tools of his trade, and he ensured that he had to trust God moving forward. Elisha burnt his plows. He got rid of his fallback. He got rid of any excuse he could have to walk away from serving God. He knew that serving God wasn't an easy thing. To, to, this call to be a prophet at the time, if you read, man, even Moses. Moses argued with God a bunch. And God finally said, shut up, <laughs> shut up and do it. But Elisha knew that this call, this call to be a prophet was not easy. And he knew that the temptation would have been there to go back and just plow his fields. So he burnt, he burnt his plows. He knew what could be a distraction from God and he turned it into an offering to God. He completely trusted in God and knew that he would be provided for. Now, God is trustworthy. He will always come through. We know that. If he calls us to do it, he will provide what we need to accomplish it. He called me to ministry and he provided schooling. I didn't know that because I was in the military, how sweet that benefit was, right? But I called and I said, I called the, the network office in Oregon. I said, hey, where can I go to school? And they're like, oh, there's a school across the parking lot. So I go there and they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to get paid to go to school. I quit my job to go to school, to follow the call that God had on my life. I burnt my plows when I accepted the Lord. Make sure I don't build any more as I serve him. Because the temptation's there to fall out of, to fall out of the call of God. Because even, especially when it's hard, and especially when you're dealing with people's stuff, right? Like, like dealing with, with people sometimes is hard. Right? And it, and it sticks to you. And, and having people, you know, explain like some of the things that are going on in their life, it sticks to you and it's hard and it hurts. And I, and I feel for them. And the temptations there, like, I don't need to do this. I'll just go take care of myself and be good. So I had to continually remind myself, nope, I burnt those plows. I got rid of that fallback because following God is more important than anything else I could ever do. Plus, man, I would... I'd be miserable doing anything that I'm other than what I'm doing. I'd be miserable because I know I know what I'm called to. Now Elisha is not the only example in the Bible of people who were called to follow and immediately did so. When Christ called his disciples, some of them their response was similar to what we see from Elisha. Luke five eleven, Simon, James, and John pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Luke 5, 27 and 28, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. The Bible is full of people who were willing to, and in some cases did, leave everything to follow the call of God on their lives. People gave up influence, money, power, and even the family, their families to follow the call of God. Paul, Paul left everything, well, Saul, right? Saul left everything. He had influence, power, he had authority, he had money, he had, he, had, he had everything that we would want 
and he gave it up to be chased from town to town and eventually sent to Rome and executed because of the call of God on his life. God called him and he went. They all knew, Paul knew, everyone in the Bible, they knew that the reward waiting for them was greater than what they had sacrificed. <laughs> don't, don't give up the gold for the plow. Following God will never leave you lacking. You will never lack. I've never heard anybody just follow God their whole life and they're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I've heard plenty of people toward the end of their life like, man, I wish I would have done so many things different. You'll never regret your decision to follow the Lord. We're not all called to abandon our life and move somewhere foreign, although some of us are. You know, we know the Nesses, right? Chuck and Bonnie Ness. They, they, they left and they're, they're kids. You know, they, they live in Africa and they, they, they're missionaries in Africa. And there's people, you know, that we're, we're friends with. Uh, um, Mike Keyes is one of them, right? He left everything. Well, I mean, he still has a house kind of, but he left and, he, and his heart is in the Philippines because God's called him there. Some of us are called to live out our lives right where we are. This doesn't mean we're not on a mission. We're on a mission of utmost importance with eternal implications. The stakes couldn't be higher than the mission that we're called to be in. Our mission, to show the world, our mission is to show the world around us who Jesus Christ is. That there is a God in heaven who loves them and desperately wants them to know who he is. Our job, and we, our job is and we must show the world how much he loves them. As followers of Christ, we need to be, able, be willing to answer the call of God on our lives, whatever that looks like. Sometimes we need to burn the plows. Sometimes we need to get rid of our fallback. We need to get rid of what will hinder us. We need to burn the plows and we need to turn what is a hindrance into a sacrifice for God. Our examples of how to do this are found right here in the Bible. People in the Bible are our forefathers. These, this is our lineage right here. This is who we are. The people in the Bible are no different than you or I. We look at them like, man, they did some great things. Yeah, they did. There's some incredible stories about what, what God did through people. But those people are no different than you or I. They just said yes. And they were obedient. And they had faith in who God was, who God is. Are you willing to be obedient what God has called you to? I'm not saying it's a call to ministry, though it could be. It could be that God is calling you to be a better husband, calling you to be a better wife, a better neighbor, a better mom, dad, a better co-worker, or just a better person, more generous, more loving. We're expressions. We show people who Jesus is. We mimic him. Maybe it is a call to ministry you've been ignoring. It might be. Maybe you're saying no to God. This doesn't have to be full-time vocational ministry because there's a lot of work to do. 
we need people. We need people who are, who are passionate about serving God. And fortunately, I'm preaching to the choir, right? Because I know, I know, I mean, many, many people in here who serve their hearts out and do so much for the Lord and volunteer so much of their time. And for that, I'm thankful and we're thankful. But maybe you've been ignoring that. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to follow the Lord? Are you willing to learn from those who are leading? Elisha was. He was willing to, he was willing to be Elijah's servant. I would have had much less trouble with those bumblebees <laughs> had I learned with someone, from someone who knew what they were doing. You guys can come up. And... Those bumblebees wouldn't have been flying through my kitchen and I wouldn't have been doing battle with the sandal. Everybody's going to ask Kara, like, hey, you remember the bumblebees? Yeah, she remembers. <laughs> the leadership of Heritage Church that needs and depends on the, on the help of people. We are the church. We are the body. We are the people of Jesus Christ. You are the people of God. You are an ever-increasing expression of Christ in our community. Amen. What plows do you need to burn? What's preventing you from serving the Lord? What do you have in your life that you need to sacrifice to him? If it's, if it's cows, call me. I'll come help you out. What's keeping you from saying yes to Jesus? I know in my life, before I accepted Jesus, it was pride. I was very proud. I didn't have anything to be proud of, but I was very proud. Now that I have something to be proud of and someone to be proud of, I'm humble. What's keeping you from saying yes to Jesus? What are you depending on when you know you need to depend on the Lord? Or have you even put your trust in the Lord? I'm not going to have an altar call, but I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be here and I'll pray with you. And there's others that will pray with you too. I'm just asking you, if you, you want to accept the Lord, if you, if you want to pray, you know, like, hey, I've got this, you know, Jeremy, I've got this stuff in my life that I need help getting rid of, right? or Jay, or Laura, or Tiffany's up here. Our job is, is, is to help you. Our job is to serve you. Our job is to show you how much Jesus loves you. So I'm gonna, I'll be up here, I'll stay up here for a second. But if you guys stand with us, I'm going to pray for you. And then it's, it's past time. But uh, I'll, I'll let you guys go. Lord, Lord, you are good. Lord, we thank you for, for who you are. We thank you that you've called us out of the darkness and into the light. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who prepares us. You are a God who doesn't leave us alone. You are a God who provides. And Lord, I pray today that people would, people would burn the plows in their life. Burn the plows in their life that are, that are holding them back, that are stopping them from serving you fully and completely, Lord. I pray that they would see those and they would sacrifice them to you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we're thankful for you. And Lord, I pray, I pray a blessing on everyone here today, Lord, that they would experience you, experience you personally and powerfully today. Lord, we love you. 
Lord, we're thankful for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Go, go say something nice to somebody. Be, be kind and uh, be an expression of Christ.